you're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. I hope right now you are sipping on some fizzy housewives-inspired wine for yourself, packing a punch at 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. It is my no-filter wine. It is available at nofilterwine.com. Like I said, 13% alcohol by volume, so it will get you litty city, but there's less than a gram of sugar in it, so you will not have that gnarly wine headache the next day, because we want to make sure you're conscious, you're smart. We have Real Housewives of Beverly Hills back. We have Real Housewives of Dubai coming back. We have Real Housewives of Atlanta on right now. If you're loving some Kenya more, then you're going to need to get some I'm Gone with the Wine fabulous rosé. Or if you're watching Beverly Hills right now, you're going to need some Cut Down My Drinking or what? Or what? For your Beverly Hills binge-worthy marathons. So get ready, guys. Go to nofilterwine.com so that you are fully stocked. It pairs great with the little skinny girl popcorn. I love that lime and sea salt popcorn that Bethany has. So if you want to enjoy your housewives night in as you're watching them and we're tweeting about it or Instagramming all about them, you're going to want to stock up on your housewives-inspired wine at nofilterwine.com. Must be 21 or older to order. And guys, please drink responsibly because um, that's always a good time. Oy, oy, oy. We have so much that has happened over the weekend. Um, we have a big wedding that happened over the weekend, a Kardashian wedding. Courtney Kardashian is married Travis Barker. Um, I've also started reading Bethany Frankel's latest book, Business is Personal, and I have a lot of thoughts about that. And some other updates like Ultimate Girls Trip and some rumors that are going around, um, some housewives news, and we'll we'll get into all of it today. Okay, so I hope you are ready. Let's get ready, Freddie. Also, uh, I was just on, only because I know you guys love when we collab, I was just on... Um, Jacques Peterson's pod- podcast, Unpopular. Unpopular with Jacques Peterson, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, and we did a really insightful episode, and we may have gotten a little controversial. You know, we always tend to get a little controversial. So if you, I know you guys love when I uh, do collabs with Jacques. And I think right now, him and Jess from Hot Takes and Deep Dives and myself might be doing another collab all together with the three of us. So stay tuned for that. But yes, if you want to listen to me on Unpopular, then go listen to Unpopular after this with me and Jack Peterson. All right, let's get into this Kravis wedding. Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker have officially gotten married. Um, I guess unofficially for the third time, but officially for the second time. So they were ma- they got married Sunday, May 22nd in Portofino, Italy. And yes, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous wedding. Um, it was a reported $7 million wedding, but a lot of people are having a lot of different feelings about that wedding. So the biggest question everyone was wondering was whether or not Scott was there, whether or not Scott was invited. Scott was not there. He was back in L.A. um, and he posted on Instagram that he was going on vacation and he was going to do this um, this beach moment. He was going to live his best life. He was seen having dinner in West Hollywood and then he boarded a plane to go to some 
beach location. I don't know where that is. Maybe it's Florida. Maybe it's the Bahamas. Who knows? Who cares? Wherever he's going to find his next 20-year-old girlfriend. But people are like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for Scott. Even people in, in the Facebook group, in the Reality TVT Facebook group for this podcast were like, oh, my God, I feel, I feel bad for Scott. I hope Scott's okay. But I'm just like, guys, have we forgotten that Scott is like a grown-ass man? And he's had seven years to step up to the plate to win Courtney over and chose not to. Like, he chose to keep partying. He chose to keep drinking. He chose to keep doing drugs, allegedly. He chose to keep dating 20-year-old models. Not so allegedly, but actually. So, like, what what did he honestly expect? What did any of us expect? I know there were several moments over the past couple of years where I was like, yes, Scott and Courtney are endgame goals. I want them to end up together. Ross and Rachel. Um, but no, now... Now I'm at the point where I'm like, no, fuck that. Like Courtney deserves to be happy and she deserves to be with somebody that's going to make her happy and not make her feel like she's not worth, you know, giving her the world. And unfortunately, Scott was not able to give her the world. He was able to give her a heartache. He was able to give her three beautiful children, but like he wasn't able to deliver on what she knew that she deserved. And Travis has been able to do that. And again, they've been broken up for seven years and it wasn't like, you know, they were done, done. Like she was like, if you do these things and you stop cheating on me and stop being a crazy party boy, then yeah, actually we can be in a relationship. But like, these are the things you need to do in order for us to actually be able to work out. And at the end of the day, he wasn't able to deliver on those things. And it doesn't even seem like he made an effort and people are like, oh, but you know, he doesn't have any family because the Kardashians are all he has. But it's also like, again, he is a grown man. He can find himself a good woman, marry her, have children with her, and start his own family. He doesn't need to continue to ride off the coattails of the Kardashians. Like, at some point, he and I get it. Like, when you lose both of your parents and you don't have any family. Like, I can't even imagine the pain that he must be going through every single day. But at some point, like, when are you going to stop being a victim of your circumstances and start to be, you know, a person that is empowered to make your own decisions and to have and to create the life that you know you want? You know, it's at some point it's a choice to not be happy. At some point it's a choice to not take actions and steps towards creating a life that is happier for you and giving you all the things that you want. If you want a family, it's very possible to go out there and get a family. If you want, you know, personal fulfillment, it's possible to go and do those things too. You just need to do a little inner reflection, maybe go to a therapist, work with a professional, you know, work through some of those barriers and come out on the other side. But at this point, I'm tired of feeling bad for Scott. And why is it Courtney's responsibility to make sure that Scott is okay? Why is it her responsibility to make sure that she's being respectful of his feelings when he clearly has zero regard for her feelings? Like, she should be happy that she's getting married, not overshadowed by her ex from seven years ago. Like, it's, I mean, also, people are making it seem like, you know, Travis just came into her life and, like, you know, Liz love bombing her like Louie. But, like, she's known Travis and been friends with Travis for well over a decade. I think they've known each other and been in each other's lives for, like, 15 years. They've been, like, good friends for a very long time. Um, their kids grew up together in a sense. Her kids are a lot younger than his kids, but like to an extent, like the kids were around each other. Um, so it wasn't like this is some rushed wedding. We can have empathy for Scott. Yes, absolutely. Because obviously when your ex gets married or your ex is moving out, like there, that is painful. 
And even if you've moved on, there is, I'm sure, an element of like, ooh, that stings a little bit. So yes, we can have empathy for Scott, but Scott's happiness is ultimately dependent on Scott's actions and Scott's choices and, you know, whatever he chooses to do with his life moving forward. He's a grown man. He's or he's a grown adult and he can make his own decisions and he can choose to to move in the direction of happiness. And Courtney deserves to be happily in love. Scott never stood up to the plate. He missed out. You know, Courtney found the man of her dreams. Some people may disagree with that or not, but she seems happy. And I think that that's good for her that she found somebody that she loves and wants to have this crazy affectionate PDA with and wants to get married to. Like she, you know, every time Scott proposed to her in the past, she never really felt like she wanted to do that. And she even said, I never thought about my wedding or getting married until I met Travis. That says a lot. So kudos to them. Okay, let's get into the actual details of the wedding, though. Um, so who was not in attendance? So Kim's boyfriend, Pete Davidson, was not in attendance as he was uh, here in New York or back in the state here in the States in New York filming his final show for Saturday Night Live. He had to do his final SNL appearance and um, announce that he was leaving SNL. So obviously he wasn't able to be in Uh, Italy with everybody else but Kim did you know put some she put like a cute little video on her Instagram story about like I'm proud of you and I love you so so much and then she put you know this like montage of of all these photos of him I guess when he was on SNL it's like a you know a a congrats to him and in memory of him on the show because he's not dead but he's not on the show anymore but he's ready to move on with his life and it's like at this point he's found a good viable business of you know star fucking and like good for him Build that bank, bro. Um, Okay. Who else wasn't there? So Rob Kardashian was not there. Um, He was also surprisingly absent. You would think he would be there for the wedding. Um, But no, he didn't show up. I know we just got off the coattails of the Black China lawsuit. She obviously lost that lawsuit. Finally, like, Jesus, like, how many times are you going to try to make this happen, girl? Like, it's not going to happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. But Rob did not go to the wedding. Uh, he also wasn't at the Santa Barbara wedding. Only MJ and, and Travis's dad were there. Um, Tristan obviously was not there. He was back home with True because Chloe didn't bring True to Italy. Travis Scott was also at home with their son. Stormy actually did go to Italy and was with Kylie. I believe that was like an Instagram story where she showed something about uh, Stormy being there. Kanye wasn't there. Also not that shocking. Um, but he was not – or sorry – The three little ones, Kim's youngest kids, Saint, Psalm, and Chicago, were not there. Only North was there, and she was there with Kim. So it looks like um, they all kind of planned to not bring the little ones, with exception for Kylie, who ended up bringing Stormy. But, like, if Chloe didn't bring True, Dream wasn't there, um, and Kim's three younger kids weren't there, it seemed like it was only Penelope, North. Well, I mean, obviously all of Courtney's kids were going to be there, but North... um, and I guess North was the only, aside from Courtney's kids, yeah, it was just North. I mean, and Stormy, but I, I don't think Kylie's going to leave Stormy anywhere anytime soon. But yeah, it seems like, and we don't know, we don't know the baby's name, right? Her her son's name, it was Wolf, and then they decided to change it. We don't, it's, we're assuming he was back home with Travis Scott, who wasn't going to come. And obviously, I don't think he was going to come because of all the Astroworld controversy, and he's just trying to like really lay low, which is interesting because I know there were some people that were saying that in this most recent 
episode or maybe the one before where it was Chris's birthday and Kendall talks about missing Chris's birthday because her and Kylie are in Miami and people are like, well, according to the the dates of Chris's birthday and when her birthday dinner would have happened, Kylie and Kendall were not in or they may have been in Miami, but they were at Astroworld. And obviously we know that was all the controversy around Astroworld and all the people, which is Travis Scott's concert. And the people that got like trampled and ended up passing away, unfortunately, you know, condolences to their families. I know they're still in the midst of their legal battle against Astroworld and Travis Scott specifically. So it's understandable that he's like not trying to do any press. But people were giving them crap, saying that they completely didn't address any of the Astroworld stuff in the Kardashians on Hulu. Um Probably because it involved Kylie or Kylie was the one that it, the storyline would have been tied to. And I guess Kendall, too, because Kendall was the one that attended Astroworld with her. And the show is revolved around Courtney, Chloe, Kim and a little bit of Chris. They're the ones that kind of anchored the show. So Kendall and Kylie, you can tell, are not really part of the show. They film a couple of scenes here and there, but they're not really involved. You don't really see Stormy. You don't really see Kylie at home, Kylie with Travis. Like, she's very private. And they said, I think in their press leading up to the show, they very much talked about um, how they had a lot, the most amount of boundaries when it came to filming. And it was because they, you know, their life was different as opposed to Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. Um, but back to the wedding. So, um, it lo- so all of Courtney's kids were there. Travis's kids were there. Even his stepdaughter was there. Um, it looks like Courtney's daughter Penelope and Travis's daughter Alabama were the flower girls. You see them walking down the aisle together, and and it looks like Penelope has like she's like throwing some flowers. So it looks like they had a cute little sisterly flower girl moment. Kim, Kylie, Chloe, and Kendall were all in the wedding. Chris walked Courtney down the aisle. Um, in a very like beautiful, I mean, it, some people were saying it looked a little Big Bird-ish, Chris's outfit. But I mean, I thought they all looked incredible. I think Chloe's outfit was my favorite. Kim looked really great. I love just, you know, Chloe's black dress and the crown just looked really good. People were um, having some feelings about Kourtney Kardashian's wedding dress. It was very short. I actually think it was very, it was pretty. You know, we had the one in Santa Barbara, and that was okay. It wasn't my favorite. It felt very, like, Forever 21, but, like, whatever. It was a courthouse Santa Barbara wedding. It wasn't anything special. This one, I think, felt a little more glam, a little more luxe, a little more, you know. It was still a short little, like, teeny dress, but, like, the gown was gorgeous. Or, sorry, not the gown. The veil was gorgeous. It was big, and it, like, you know, overwhelmed her space and was just, I thought it was very pretty. Um, But... Some people didn't like it. I thought all of the fashion seemed fine for the wedding. I didn't love all of their looks while they were in Italy. Some of them were a little questionable. I think Chloe was probably my favorite dressed overall this trip. She had a lot of really good Dolce & Gabbana uh, moments. Her wedding dress was probably my favorite, though. I love the crown. I love the black. Kim also looked really good, too. People thought it was interesting that they were wearing a lot of black to the wedding, considering it's not a funeral, it's a wedding. Um Listen, I can. There were different themes that were incorporated into the wedding. Some people said it was a little demonic or satanic. I, I don't think it was. I think Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox will probably have more of a satanic wedding than Courtney and Travis did. It's. It felt very Italian. It felt very almost kind of like Roman Catholic. There was. There were a lot of Catholic themes to it, um, to the decor, to you know, a lot of it. Was it traditional? No, but I don't think. 
either of them wanted something very traditional. Courtney's not a traditional kind of girl. Kim is very fairy tale wedding traditional. Um, Chloe, I think, is very traditional, and we saw that from her wedding and from Kim's past two weddings. That I think Courtney definitely wanted something a little more with the zing, a little bit more of a bite to it. She's always had a little bit more of an edge to her, and I, I think, you know. I love every detail of it. No, but she seemed to enjoy it. But there was a lot of flack that they were getting because the wedding was seemingly sponsored by Dolce and Gabbana. And people were like, that's rude. That's tacky. Why are they doing a hashtag ad on a wedding? Like, who does that? When they don't realize that every celebrity that has an exclusive in People Magazine and has their wedding photos revealed in People Magazine are also technically having a sponsored wedding and their wedding is being sold by usually People Magazine. So it happens more often than not. Um Rarely ever do you see it happen to this level where there's like one presenting sponsor of everything. But like they were riding on Dolce & Gabbana yachts all weekend. They did a Dolce & Gabbana sponsored lunch prior to the wedding. Um, the entire family was completely dripped in Dolce & Gabbana outfits all weekend long. They tagged Dolce & Gabbana multiple times in their while they were in Italy. Um, even some of their guests, like Simon Huck, who I think is like used to be a, I don't know if he still is a publicist. I know he's a close friend with them and I think he's a publicist, but I don't know if he still does PR with them. He used to work with Jonathan. Um, he like posted Dolce & Gabbana. So it seemed like some of their guests were po posting Dolce & Gabbana and they gifted some of their guests Dolce & Gabbana products. It was very Dolce, you know, and I mean, to be fair, that kind of fits with the theme of Italy and doing this, you know, Catholic wedding. Um, it kind of fits in. People did think it was tacky and classless to have a sponsored wedding. But I mean, who knows what the spon sponsorship deal was exactly, because it, there wasn't like a clear disclosure of like hashtag sponsored or hashtag ad. And like, what did Dolce & Gabbana actually pay for? Did they just provide them with all of these yachts? Did they just provide them with outfits for the entire wedding? Did they cover anything? Did they pay for any of the expenses? Or did Travis and Courtney pay for most of it and at least a good portion of it, like their outfits and you know, the yachts and the lunch and all of that stuff. Was that just catered as a gift from Dolce? I think that's probably how they're getting away with not having to do like a hashtag ad on anything is Dolce & Gabbana was probably like, we're going to gift you all of these things just, you know, as a wedding present. Um, but there's also a little bit of chatter online because there was apparently some beef between the Kardashians and Dolce & Gabbana in the past which is why people are like, this is such a really weird, interesting choice that of all the brands that they could have worked with, Dolce & Gabbana happened to be the one that they worked with the most. It's ultimately very smart because here we are talking about Dolce & Gabbana a million different times. And obviously, you know, fashion is really big with the Kardashian brand. A lot of paparazzi were photographing them all over. They weren't hiding from the paparazzi either. So it seems like that could have been part of the strategy in terms of like, let's get photographed and let's let everybody know that we're wearing Dolce & Gabbana because a lot of the outfits that they were wearing too were outfits taken from the runway. So they were recognizable outfits that we've seen on models in the past or versions that we've seen on models in the past. So it wasn't hard to distinguish without even having to disclose it. It wasn't hard to find out that these were Dolce & Gabbana outfits. But the fact that everybody was wearing it, the fact that the wedding dress from, you know, her courthouse wedding to now the big wedding, very interesting. But I do know that a few months ago, Courtney, or yeah, Courtney, Travis, Chris, and Corey when they were all in Europe, they went to a Dolce & Gabbana event. So it seemed like maybe that was an opportunity for them to like merge there. Or maybe it was something that Chris was trying to set up. And that's why she took Courtney and Travis to, to 
Italy um, all those months ago. That was when Travis got on the plane for the first time, which is what we saw in one of the recent episodes of the Kardashians. We see Ellen talking to Travis and be like, wow, that was really great. You, you know, approached it for the first time. Um, it is interesting, though, to see them work in some of these deals. We also know that like there's the conspiracy theory that one of their other big deals is Coca-Cola and that they're working with Coca-Cola because we see them ordering Coke and seeing Coca-Cola, you know, conveniently displayed in some of their Instagram posts. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Either way, it, it looked very extravagant. It looked very Italian. It looked very, ca- there were a lot of Catholic themes around it. Um, and Look, she looked happy. They looked like they had a blast. I think today they were even on Monday. They were on a um, a boat, another Dolce & Gabbana yacht, and they were just like living their best life. But also I think, you know, it's a great way to get some paparazzi, tip off the paparazzi and be like, Courtney and Travis are going to be on their post-wedding yacht today on this beach or whatever. Even though I'm sure everybody's trying to get photos of them right now. So they probably may not have even needed to tip off the press, but they're definitely taking it, uh, getting, uh, taking advantage of it. Um, at the reception after the wedding, they danced to, their song was, Um, uh, by Etta James at last. Um, I mean, an interesting choice, I guess a classic sweet choice, but also, okay. Huh? Um, all right, sure. Why not? You know, it seemed a little dated. Um, they should have done like a fell in love with the girl at the rock show. She said what? And I told her that I didn't know. She's so cool. Um, like a Blink-182 song. All the small things. Maybe not all the small things. Maybe not what's my age again. Um, but I mean, I doubt a rock show, Josie. Um, yeah, I think there were some great Blink-182 songs that we could have really, you know, played. I know they did play some songs. The DJ played some songs. Andrea Pagelli also performed. Machine Gun Kelly also did an impromptu performance as well. I think he sang Blue Valentine. Um, so that seemed fun. Um, but yeah, even though this is technically their third ceremony, this, because the first one was in Vegas, then they had, which Courtney labeled as their practice wedding with the Elvis impersonator. And then the second one was when, was in Santa Barbara and she had MJ, her grandmother, and then Travis's father also was there. None of her sisters or her mom were there. So it seems like they had that small intimate wedding for the people that couldn't attend the Italian wedding. Cause I assume MJ wasn't going to be traveling all the way to Italy. So she decided to stay back. She's obviously a lot older. So at least they gave, you know, some of their elderly family members this opportunity to be a part of the wedding. But congrats to the happy couple. Congrats to Travis Barker and Kourtney Kardashian. They are officially Mr. and Mrs. Barker. And they were at the reception and he like, you know, was doing the girdle thing and he was putting his tongue up her leg to get the lingerie off or what is it? The, the little strap thingy that they have around the leg. They did that. They danced. So, it, I mean, there were a lot of traditional themes to it, but they definitely had like their their darker edge in everything that they did. But it, I mean, it looked very extravagant. Would it be the choices that I would make in terms of decor and style and food? Maybe not. Um but they seemed happy with it. And by the looks of it, Dolce & Gabbana is going to be very happy with it too. Okay. Listen, I'm in the place. I want nothing but happiness and love to anybody and everybody. And if they are going to be making out on the red carpet and living their best life, then more power to them. And listen, I'm ready to manifest that kind of, that Kravis kind of love. 
And I'm not willing to settle for anything less than everything, to quote Queen Dorit. Um, Listen, I know what I want. I know what I deserve. I know that I'm working and I'm actively attracting exactly that, what I want and what I deserve. And that's why, you know, I made the more conscious choice to push myself out of my boundaries, to push myself out of my comfort zone, ditch the old dating apps and start dating up with Seeking. I put, out, I put together a list of all the things that I know I deserve, okay? I hope you do this with me. I hope if you're listening to this, maybe you write it down. Maybe you put it in your notes app. Maybe you do a voice memo. Maybe you post it on your Instagram story. I don't know, but I posted this on Instagram, and this these are some non-negotiables of things that I know that I deserve when it comes to finding a match. I deserve someone that adores and respects me. I deserve someone that has clear and open communication. I deserve someone that has goals and ambitions. I deserve someone that's built a solid life for himself. I deserve someone that I can learn from and that I can build with. And I deserve someone to enjoy the finer things in life with. That's what I want. That's what I know I deserve. You know, clear and open communication, goals and ambition, building a life together, enjoying life together, you know, adoration, respect. All these things are very important to me. And this is the bare minimum of what I know I deserve. Do you know what you deserve? If you do, then I suggest you hop over to Seeking.com and start building your profile today. The only way to go after what you want is to take the first step. And I'm telling you right now is the time to do it and you deserve it. So head over to Seeking.com to set up your profile today. That's Seeking.com. Okay, what else is happening in the world of reality TV? So Real Housewives of Miami star Dr. Nicole Martin celebrated her engagement to Anthony Lopez, her long-term partner. They had an engagement party, which is interesting because they announced their engagement at the reunion, which was several months ago. So I'm like, why are we now just wait? Like, were you just waiting to have a moment for the Real Housewives of Miami finale party and you wanted to do it then? Like, I don't know. This seems like a strange amount of time to like have a engagement party. Um, I mean, I guess it takes time to plan engagement parties, but still, it just seems like a, a big chunk of time. It's like we had to do, we had to tape the season and then we had to tape the reunion and we had to let it all air. And then we're filming the current season and we know there's a lot going on with Lisa Hochstein and Lenny now that Lenny has left her. Oof. Well, congrats to Dr. Nicole and Anthony for... It's weird saying congrats to them for getting engaged because they got engaged so long ago. But congrats. Congrats, girl. Can't wait to watch it on Real Houses in Miami season five. Erica Jane revealed to E! News that she has some very sassy new music coming out. It's expensive to be me. Eh, eh, eh. That's just who I be. It's expensive to be me. Snap, snap, pat the puss. So we can expect that. She said that she's been back in the studio and she is ready for it. She is ready, Henny. She wants to bring us some bops. Kyle Richards said that she, or I guess she teased, this became a big headline over the weekend about her. She might not return to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which was a bit taken out of context. She's more of like, and she's kind of said this always repeatedly season after season, that like she'll come back as long as it continues to be fun. Obviously, we know that she has a rocky road with Kathy. Obviously, we know that she has um, a rocky road with her sister, Kathy Hilton. Um, So we'll see. 
well, Kathy seems to want to be coming back. And Kathy's been bopping around town, hanging out with Crystal and Garcelle. And um, Cherie, I think, she was at an event with them recently, too. Um, Crystal Sutton, Garcelle, Cherie. So the Kathy's trying to build her own little alliance. Like I teased about what's to come later this season, she wants, in her Aspen uh, meltdown, she talks about... Um, wanting to take down Kyle and wanting to ruin Kyle and how their beef goes back very far. Um, I'm reading House of Hilton right now. And wow, am I learning a lot about Miss Hilton. Miss Hilton, you must be worth a million bucks. Miss Hilton, you really are a big... See you next Tuesday. <laughs> I was going to say it, but I'm not going to say it. But then maybe I shouldn't say it because that's like a really mean derogatory thing to say, even though I call myself that all the fucking time. But anyway, reading House of Hilton. We'll break it down on Tuesday night for book club. We'll go live on the YouTube channel and live on the Instagram account, youtube.com slash just plain Zach. And the Instagram is at no filter with Zach. So you can watch it on either one on YouTube or on Instagram. Um, we will be going live at 530 p.m. Pacific, 830 Eastern. And we'll be breaking down the uh, the uh, first four chapters of the book. And we'll continue to break the book down over the next five, total of five weeks. This week and four more after this. So leading into the first week of June, we'll continue to break down House of Hilton. But I'm excited for this. Um, and no, Kyle's not going anywhere. She's not leaving Beverly Hills. She's not going to leave anytime soon. I think she likes it. She's, she's enjoying it. Um, I am a little uncertain whether or not they're going to bring back Lisa Rinna. I feel like Lisa Rinna has not been the greatest on social media lately. We've seen her, there was like a, an account that was like leaking DMs that she was sending to other bloggers, um, which come on, girl, you've been in this game long enough, then you know better than to be, you know, DMing all these bloggers, especially because you're going to find that one that's just going to leak the, the, the messages. And, you know, she's been posting a lot on her Instagram story. I mean, listen, I've been a Rinna fan and I'm not a fan of her recent behavior, um, which is a little unfortunate because I don't want her to go down. Like usually when you've had a good, a strong housewife or even the good villain housewives, like they still, you know, you still want them to go out on a high. You never want them to start to circle the drain and slowly go all the way down. So I'm hoping, I don't know. I don't know if they're really going to bring her back at this point. I think after these leaks of DMs coming out um, and after her performance that we're going to get this season, I mean, we'll see if it's a good performance or not. And if, you know, she wins anybody over, I don't think she's going to win anybody over. If anything, she might just continue to be polarizing to the point where she isolates herself from the, the rest of the audience. But so the reason I bring that up is because I'm like, well, if we lose Rinna and, you know, everyone's saying they want Erica Jane gone, they want Erica Jane gone. I actually disagree. I don't think we should get rid of Erica Jane because she's such a lightning rod on the show. And I know people are like, I don't want to watch her. And, uh, she's a monster. And, uh, uh, uh. She makes things interesting. And her scene with Sutton last week was fucking incredible. It was hilarious. It was great where she was like, I don't like you. And she's like, I don't like you either. And she's like, good. This is a mutual thing. And then Sutton's like, let me shake your hand. And then Erica's like, never. Go fuck yourself. And Sutton's like, go fuck yourself. It was great. It was, it was great. So it's like, we need that. Because look, what? We're going to have a cast of Sutton and Garcelle and Crystal. And who else do we have on the cast aside from... Erica, like if we lose Erica, Kyle, and Rinna, then I think if you lose Kyle, you lose the heart of the show. If you lose Rinna and Erica, you lose the drama because it's like Sutton. I mean, unless Garcelle wants to take on the role of the villain because Garcelle does have really good shady moments. Um, and Sutton does bring an interesting flavor to it, but you need some of these other more like polarizing characters to really make it a dynamic show. 
Um, I mean, I guess we have Diana Jenkins, but I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I don't know what the show would do if they lost Rinna and Erica and Kyle. I think if all three of them exit, but like, is Kyle really going to stick around without Rinna and Erica? I mean, I guess Dorit's there, but like, I don't know. I think she's the closest to Rinna. I think she has a good friendship with Erica, but like her closest friendship was with Teddy and Teddy's already gone. That Like the more of her actual genuine friends and circle continue to leave the show, I think the harder it is going to be for her to stay. But I don't think, I don't envision her leaving anytime soon unless they do get rid of like Dorit and Rinna and Erica. And I can see them getting rid of them because like Dorit, aside from the robbery, I hear she doesn't really bring as much to the show this season um, naturally because she, you know, was is in shock um but she hasn't really brought a whole ton to the show in previous years other than bringing the luxe and the glam and the fashion and i feel like at that point at some point like that might eventually grow a little stale for people i know some people find her so boring and they find her useless and whatever so it's like if you lose Doree and you lose Rinna and you lose Erica you're bound to lose Kyle and if you lose Kyle you lose the heart of the show and then what is real houses of beverly hills at that point i feel like at that point the show will really be done you know we shall see. But there are some low low budget rumors out there that have surfaced about a new season of Ultimate Girls Trip that's apparently happening in Thailand with Lisa Rinna and Erica Jane and Lisa Barlow from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Karen Huger from Real Housewives of Potomac, Giselle Bryan from Real Housewives of Potomac, Shannon Bedore from Real Housewives of Orange County, and Heather Gay from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City with... Real Houses of Beverly Hills alumni, Kim Richards. So it would be um, Rinna, Lisa Barlow, Karen, Erica, Giselle, Shannon, Heather, and Kim. That would be an interesting cast, but I can confirm that that is not true. That is very false. This is not true. Maybe Peacock is eyeing a couple of these ladies. Maybe some of these names are in the mix or in the hat of people that they're approaching and having conversations with. But at this point in time, there are no official plans. There are no official casting decisions that have been made. None of these women have fully committed to filming or this is not a final cast. Should there be a final cast? I know they're pursuing another season of Royal Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, but I don't know how soon that's going to move forward. And I don't know if Thailand would be the place. Low budget team, unconfirmed, not real, not based in reality. Thank you, next. Okay, I want to talk about Bethany Frankel's book, Business is Personal, because I started listening to it on Audible. That's why you haven't seen me like post pictures of it. I think I posted like a screenshot on my Instagram story. Anyway, I've been reading it and it's not what I expected at all. Okay. It's actually really good. It's better than I expected. It's very juicy for like true Bethany fans. Like if you liked her on, on Orange, uh, not Orange County, if you liked her on Real Housewives of New York, if you liked the, if you watched The Big Shot, if you're a fan of Skinny Girl, if you read any of her books, like this is a real good book for Bethany. Um, I'm only into the first like five or six chapters. But even within that, there's like a lot in there. Um, she talks about Royal Housewives of New York. She talks about the big shot. She talks about like all these little things. If you've ca- caught any of my previous uh breakdowns of Bethany and like the big shot and stuff like that, or the episodes that I've done with like Jess Rothschild or Jacques Peterson, um, this will be a good like catch up to hear what Bethany has to say about a lot of these things. Um, so to start, we'll, we'll recap some of like the juiciest parts of the book. Ultimately, the book is supposed to be about like business and and um, building a personal brand and whatever, but it's not really about that. Like it, it is a lot more of like, 
I guess she talks about some of our business deals, but let's let's get into it. Um, okay, so big thing related to Roni is she said that part of the reason she left Roni is because they wanted to change a clause in her contract that would uh, make it so that she only got paid for every episode that she appeared in. So she would get an episodic rate, which is pretty is the direction that Bravo seems to be going in. And this is how they're getting their talent to kind of really step it up by being involved in the mix and having really strong storylines, because then if you're not in an episode, you don't get paid for it. And so in this case, it, it should be paid an episode rate versus a salary rate, rate, which she said that she didn't like because she's like, I know what I bring to the table. I know what I deliver. They know that I deliver. And, you know, I'm not going to settle for an episode rate or have the, the chances of being cut out of an episode and then not get paid for doing my job this season. And apparently it came up because of Lisa Vanderpump and Nene Leakes, how they pulled out of doing several episodes episodes in their final seasons um but they like lisa vanderpump still got her housewife salary contract i don't know if she got the full thing i would imagine well i don't know but anyway they want to make sure that stuff like that doesn't happen and housewives get paid for whatever episodes they appear in to really just encourage them to bring it similar to what they did with vanderpump rules not this last season but the season prior is when they introduced that to all of their cast members and stopped paying them on a, a seasonal salary so said that she didn't like that. Uh, and she said that it was ultimately just no longer good for her brand or for her image. So she walked away from millions. She keeps saying that millions she, throughout the whole book. She talks about all the millions that she walks away from all the time um, and said that housewives paid her really well. But she was she just she was done. She notes that she would do this wasn't in the book, but this was in an interview she did with Hoda. Hoda. And who's the other girl? Samantha. I don't know. Whoever. The, yeah, Samantha Bush, isn't that her? I don't know. But the girl that hosts, the woman that hosts the morning show, the Today Morning Show with Hoda, Bethany was just on that to promote her book. And she said that she would actually do, she, she didn't say ultimate girls trip necessarily, but she would do some sort of mashup type of show. She's like, but I would only do it if it were with the Mount Rushmore of Housewives, which she doesn't think will ever happen. But she's like, it would need to be Teresa. It would need to be Nene and it would need to be Lisa Vanderpump. And even if that were the case, she would consider it, but she wouldn't actually sign. Obviously, then at that point, money would be a factor. But she's like, that's the only thing housewives related at this point I would ever consider. She's not doing legacy. She's not doing regular Ultimate Girls Trip. That's just not within the, the realm of what she's interested in. But if there was a project that involved Teresa, Nini, and Lisa... Vanderpump, then, you know, she considers them to be the four Mount Rushmores of housewives. I think Lisa Vanderpump is a little overrated, to be honest. Um, so I wouldn't consider her one of the Mount Rushmore housewives necessarily. Uh, Vicky, I think, would be a great Mount Rushmore housewife, right? Um, I guess she would be the New York one. Nini's Atlanta, Teresa's Jersey, Lisa Vanderpump, she says, would be Beverly Hills. I feel like Kyle may kind of have that title now. Kyle may not bring as much as Lisa brought in terms of like the zingers. And I don't know. I think Kyle's great. I like Kyle. Some people find her boring, but I enjoy Kyle. I think Kyle would definitely be in the Mount Rushmore. Um, but yeah. She said that's that's what she would consider. Anyway, back to the book. She also said that she's um, currently in the process of trying to buy back Skinny Girl Cocktails because she believes that Beam drove it into the ground, in her opinion, that there was so much potential and they gave her so much money, but 
they just don't care about it. And she said that they told her that directly, that Skinny Girl is not a priority for them and they basically don't give a fuck about it, that they only bought it um, to impress one of their other potential partners and that they really don't care to do anything with it. So she's like, well, then let me buy it back. Let me buy it back at a discounted rate. Let me buy it back at, you know, she's just trying to get, well, I don't even know if she has that kind of money though to be able to just buy back Skinny Girl. But I guess if they really don't care about it and it's not a priority for them and they're not really doing anything with it, then why not just sell it off to her for, you know, a few million? They sold it to her. I mean, they sold it to her for a lot of money. And I know she doesn't have that kind of money to just be competing with Beam to get it, but who knows? If they really don't care about it, give her her fucking Skinny Girl back and I'm pretty sure she can do something. Like, that was the thing that I was thinking. Like, why not take Skinny Girl into the seltzer market? Like, Skinny Girl was one of the first ready-to-drink cocktails. They should have been one of the first to enter into the seltzer or canned cocktail market, and they could have really gone somewhere with it. And I think they'll probably do a lot better in the canned cocktail market rather than in the bottled cocktail market because nobody's really doing bottled cocktails at this point. She talks about becoming a podcast mogul and how Andy Cohen is the one that encouraged her to make this move into podcasting. She says that her her deal with MGM actually fell through because of her podcast, which I don't know if I necessarily believe. She said that they wanted to own her podcast, that they wanted exclusivity. And at the time that she launched her podcast, it was originally with Endeavor because MGM didn't really care about podcasting. They didn't really think it was going to do it. It was anything spectacular. So she's like, okay, well, I'll talk to Endeavor and see if I can get them to get me a a podcast deal because they were really eager to work with her. And so she said that she disclosed this to MGM and they didn't really care about it at first. And they're like, yeah, fine, go do your little podcasting with Endeavor. But then she ultimately left Endeavor and signed with iHeartRadio. And she left Endeavor while she she launched the show with Endeavor, they didn't finalize a contract. And she's like, well, that's common. We, you know, you often go into deals and don't finalize contracts. But then you already technically were under the, imp- gave them the impression that you were moving forward with them, even though you didn't finalize the contract. Like there were still little negotiations that for you to just pull and take the show entirely and then go and sell it to iHeartRadio. That was crazy. That was crazy. Um, And Endeavor wasn't very happy about that. And it seemed like MGM wasn't happy about that either. But her MGM deal was strictly about producing content for television and obviously streaming networks like HBO Max. Um, And her deal with MGM, she was specific that it doesn't involve hosting. It only involves producing. And it doesn't specify anything about podcasting necessarily, which is why she was able to do what she did with Endeavor. Because she was like, well, I'm not technically a producer. I'm just a host of this podcast. Um, So I'm not producing any content. I'm just hosting content. But she ultimately saw Endeavor as Small Potatoes. And she took her show over to iHeartRadio because she thought that they could do more for the podcasting world than Endeavor could. MGM then wanted in because she said it was such a lucrative podcast that how could MGM not want in on this? But it's also like, what did you expect? Like you signed an exclusivity deal with MGM. Like I would jump at an exclusivity deal with MGM. I would jump at that in two fucking seconds. Most people in podcasting are trying to pivot into bigger things outside of podcasting. We're trying to build into the world of TV and film and business. Like that's where you want to go. You don't, you go from podcasting to MGM. You don't start at MGM and then go down to podcasting. Even Stassi in her book talks about um, her deal with Sony and how, I mean, ultimately that ended up getting canned and it was canceled when she was canceled, but that she started on a reality show and then she went into podcasting and then it started it, it turned into her book and the book deal ultimately led to this animated series deal that she had with Sony and that was major and she's like I wanted to do more of that I was ready to leave reality TV to go and do bigger production stuff 
and I was going to produce a series with Sony. You know, she, it just, it makes no sense to me what Bethany is, is doing. Like nobody leaves a television production deal to go and host a podcast in their closet. I say that as a true podcaster because Bethany's literally in her closet um, with no makeup on and she's her daughter Bryn come and co-host with her sometimes. And it's just like, it's so informal and it's not, I mean, and some of the best podcasts can be and are informal. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't think it's a great podcast, but she said that when MGM saw how successful her podcast was, they wanted a piece of her, of her pie and she said that uh, she said no. She didn't want to give them a piece of the pie because iHeart had bigger and better resources to support her podcast. But I think leaving MGM was a stupid decision. They could have done more for her in the long run than what I think iHeart can provide for her in this current lap. You know, in this current mile. The long run, I think working something, making the MGM deal work and making them happy, I think would have paid off so much more down the line. The fact that they were even interested in signing a deal with her was huge. And the fact that she allowed her ego to blind her and be like, I know better. I'm taking my podcast and I'm doing my thing. And now she said that her podcast is her dream job. But like, I mean, come on, if I'm being honest, I really don't think she's done anything unique in the podcast space. She hasn't done anything groundbreaking. She doesn't have groundbreaking numbers. She doesn't have, you know, really deep or great thought-provoking interviews. Like, it's just, it's not very great, you know? She had bigger and better guests when she was with Endeavor, which is when she launched the show. She had Paris Hilton. She had Mark Cuban. I think Mark Cuban, she brought in herself personally, but she had Paris Hilton. She had Hillary Clinton. And we know she didn't pull Hillary Clinton on her own. You know, Hillary Clinton is huge. Endeavor made that happen for her. She hasn't had anybody at the caliber of Hillary Clinton on her podcast since then. No, she has Bryn on her podcast now. She does rants and it's literally like she doesn't even have a nice formal set. It's literally like a very low, like my setup looks way more professional than her setup looks. And that's saying a lot. And that is not a podcast mogul. That's no. You can call Joe Rogan a podcast mogul, but let's be clear. She's no Joe Rogan. You can call Alex Cooper a podcast mogul because she took Caller Daddy from this little podcast into, you know, this mega deal that she signed with Spotify. She's built a whole army of supporters and people. Bethany doesn't have that type of loyalty um, with her audience that Rogan and Cooper have. Uh-uh. I just, I thought, I, you're, and, uh, she says that she wanted to find like the perfect part the perfect podcast partner, but like you're never going to find the perfect podcast partner. And, you know, you have to look at the long game. You have to look at the bigger picture. You have to play your cards right. And you have to know that like you're never going to have the perfect podcast partner, but you have to at least go with the partners that are strategically going to help you move to the bigger opportunities down the line. And Bethany talks about, about it a lot in her book about how, you know, you have to look at the whole board game. You have to look at where you're going. But I'm like, there are a lot of like rash decisions that she makes. And she talks a lot about, Trusting her gut, which I think is good. You should absolutely trust your gut. But I don't think she understands this space that well. And she's not surrounding herself with people that really understand the space that well. And listen, the only people that really understand the space are the people that have been in this space long enough. And a lot of people are still new to this space because it's still a growing space. She's a shark. She loves a good deal. Money motivates her. But I think she's a little reckless when with some certain things. And I think she jumps a little too fast. And that's ultimately biting her in the ass. Um, 
And I think right now she's trying to put her hand into too many pots and she's not really cultivating much in one specific area. And it's a little all over the place. Buying back Skinny Girl, I think, would be smart. I don't think Beam is going to sell it back to her, but I think that would be a smart decision for her. Um, she also talks about, uh, she said that she ultimately asked out of her MGM deal so that she could be a free agent and do her podcast all on her own and sign with iHeartRadio. I don't know how much truth I believe that to be. I think she was difficult to work with. And I think MGM was probably like, yeah. Trust me, if they really saw the value in her lucrative podcast, they would have fought to keep her. They wouldn't have fought to let her just sail off into the sunset if her podcast was truly that valuable to them. But they only ended up producing The Big Shot with her, and that was for HBO Max. And she she talks a lot about that in the book as well. She says that one point she want, like, wanted to make them scrap the entire show and rework the entire course of it because what they originally shot was so bad and it wasn't good and it wasn't authentic. And she would like yell at some of the cameramen and be like, this is what you need to be, like me fumbling to get into the door and not being able to get into my house because I don't have my key. This is what you need to be filming. This is what you need to be getting because this is good television. This is good content. And I'm just like, Ugh. but then she also talks about like her social media team and how she has like a person that's like dedicated towards finding trends and doing things for her and executing that for her. I'm like, so then how good at building content are you? She's a great personality and she's a great reality star. Um, after reading this book, I don't know how much I trust her skills in business. You know, Carol Radswell has also talked a lot about how she's had a lot of licensing deals. I think in terms of business, I think she's good at making money and she's good at negotiating deals. I don't necessarily think that she's the best businesswoman, so to speak. She's a good personal brand and she had a, uh, she's a great personality and I think people connect to that. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting, though, because she, she even wanted to recast the entire show, which I find really interesting because I remember when I was originally in talks with the show's producers to join the show as a contestant on The Big Shot, they told me that we were all going to be living in a house together um, and that they wanted to know like what I what it would be like for me to be living with other people. And as we know, that wasn't the case with The Big Shot. They all ended up staying in hotel rooms and it was shot in an office. And a lot of it changed at the last minute. And she said that a lot of the moments that where she was like changing things up and mixing up the show as we go. And it was kind of like this chaos, you know, chaotic ride that nobody really knew what to expect. And even the producers like never knew what she was actually going to do at the end of the day. And she like kept doing crazy stuff like that. So that that definitely kept everybody on their toes. But it definitely made it interesting for audience members. But then she gets into the rosé. Okay, and if you watch the big shot, then you'll know that the finale centered around the launch of this rosé. Um, but the rosé, the name of the rosé was blurred out. She didn't say the name on the show. It seemed like it was unintentional. Um, and it was just strange that there was no grand reveal of what the rosé actually was, but the whole finale was centered around this rosé. And remember earlier when she was talking about leaving Endeavor and how, you know, sometimes in business you go into certain deals and you start things, but if the contract isn't signed, you know, we still are working out the details and sometimes that's normal. I told you, what was it on last week's episode? I was like, no, you always get the signature on the dotted line before moving forward. And that is your power because that's that's your paycheck. That's the obligation of the other party to actually pay you. That's your, or if you're the one paying in the contract, then that protects you from having to pay more than, you know, what you may end up having to pay. Like there, you always, like that to me is one of the worst pieces of advice in business that she talks about in the book is, you know, just starting projects without actually 
finalizing all the details because she gets into what happened with the rosé company and um, why it was blurred out. And so basically she found a wine company that she was going to invest in and help rebuild from scratch. And it was a good rosé and whatever. She found the brand that had the name that she wanted and really liked, and she was going to do a whole big splash, and she said she was going to disrupt the wine business the way she disrupted the liquor business with Skinny Girl, and she did something new, and she's going to see if lightning can strike twice, but then the wine never got announced, and she ended up doing a sponsored post for this company called Forever Young Wines, and it was like an entire wine line that was already established and been established for many years versus this new rosé that she was bringing to the market herself. So apparently it's all because she was striking a deal with the original creator of that rosé, but they were still in talks and they were still in negotiations, right? And she apparently went and took their name and started trademarking it in other categories, other beverage categories. I want to say she mentions like maybe a liquor category, um, but she started trademarking that name in other areas. And her partner was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what are you doing? And why are you trademarking all of these things outside of you know, this wine that we're doing and why is my name not, like this was the name that I originally conceived. Why is my name not included on all these other things? And she's like, well, I'm just thinking of the bigger picture. I'm thinking of the way we can extend and grow this brand beyond just this wine. And he's like, well, that's great, but you have to include me in this. And she's like, no, I don't. I'm, you can have the wine, but I'm going to have this and that and this and that with all these other, you know, buckets that I want to get. And then the wine partner was like, no, that's not happening. You don't get to just take my name and leave me with a small potato while you're taking the whole pot of pot roast. Like, no, that's not how this works. And she, she the partner was upset and backed out and, you know, it was done. But it's like, why would you cut him out of having access to other categories under the same name without even consulting with him? Like that to me is like not good business. And she said that she had a bigger vision for it. But he said, nope, not going to happen. The deal was squashed. Um, And another bad deal in my head. I think, you know, getting back into the liquor business or the alcohol business, starting with wine is a questionable choice. Wine is very competitive and wine is a very, trust me, as somebody that has a wine line and understands a lot of the inner workings of it, it's not easy. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Because um, the Forever Young thing was a total flop, and it looked so bad for her brand. Now knowing the whole story, it's even worse to know that she really fucked up this other deal, and then it ended up just becoming this Forever Young-sponsored Instagram post because um, it was like an endorsement deal that she ended up signing to cover her ass because the big splash that she was making on the big shot fell through because she didn't have a signed contract and she wasn't fully open and didn't disclose everything to her partner. So <sighs> she does have some wins, though, because she talks about trademarking the name food porn. I remember when food porn first came out and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Bethany's going into like producing content now. Um, but apparently she trademarked the name food porn and thought that, that would be a good idea for her to invest in or do something with later on down the line. But then there was an actual show that was in development called food porn and they needed the trademark and she had already owned it. So she ended up negotiating to where, you know, she got to keep the trademark, but she got to have her name added onto the project and she got like a, a very generous producer credit. Um, so that, that I found like an interesting tidbit as well. 
But it's all pretty juicy. She talks a lot about, a lot about, or not a lot, but she talks a bit about housewives too. She throws a little shady digs. Nothing groundbreaking in the housewives world other than her deciding to leave because it was bad for the brand and she walked out on millions, but that there was the clause that they wanted to add in and she wasn't cool with that and she didn't want to be paid an episode rate. She wanted to be paid a, a seasonal salary. I guess because if there are shorter seasons, like think about it, if you're supposed to do a 22 episode season and then it ends up being a 15 episode season, then you only get paid for 15 episodes. And Bethany was probably like, nope, I want to get paid for a full season. And if there's going to be a full season, I don't care how many, what number of episodes I get. This is the amount that I want for the season. She's like, you know what I bring, you know what I deliver, blah, blah, blah. She definitely knows her worth, um, maybe a little more than her worth. But <laughs> listen, she's, she's a shark and she makes money. She's good at making deals, but I don't know. I actually think it was a huge miss to not market this book specifically or not specifically but to also really market this book to real housewives fans because for me as a fan of housewives and a fan of bethany i was enjoying learning all of these other fun little tidbits like food porn and the wine and the big shot and her podcast and andy and i was having so much more fun learning all of those pieces than getting a lot of the regurgitated advice that she's giving and it's also like according to some of these deals and i get it she's very much like here's what i did do it or don't do it. Trust what works for you. But it's also like, you know, because she's like, here's what to do and here's what not to do. Um, I'm not loving a lot of her business advice as somebody that, you know, understands the world of podcasting, that understands the world of having a wine line. And listen, I understand I'm small potatoes compared to her and her level of like status and fame or whatever. But like, come on. Even I, at my level, know some of these deals were bad or some of these decisions were really bad. But like I said, the book is juicy if you are a Housewives fan. Um, and I think it may be even a little empowering for you if you're starting a business, have a small business, have like a, a pyramid scheme that you're running at home. Like, listen, I think this could help. There are, a lot of, there are some good practical advice and lessons um, that I think are pretty solid. Um, it's out right now. It's called Business is Personal. It's in my uh, Amazon storefront. So if you guys go to amazon.com slash shop slash Zach Peter, Z-A-C-K-P-E-T-E-R, amazon.com slash shop slash, or dot com slash shop, yeah, slash shop slash Zach Peter, sorry. Um, then you can go and order that and check that out there. Oh, what a vibe, what a vibe, what a vibe, what a time to be alive. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me. You can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I have all of our Bravo books available in my Amazon storefront, which again is amazon.com slash shop slash Zach. Um, in addition to book club, we also have Bravo Beauty, where all the, it's a curation of a bunch of housewives beauty products that they are obsessed with, that they talk about, that they use, that they love, that I've that are true and tried on my end that are available there. It's an easy way to support the podcast. If you're already shopping on Amazon, just go to amazon.com slash shop slash Zach Peter. Or if you want to support the wine, you want to get Liddy City this weekend. Summer is coming and you're going to want a nice, light, crisp wine. We have a rosé and a white wine available now at nofilterwine.com. Four fun designs inspired by some of the most iconic housewives moments. Perfect for like a summer day. Perfect for like a weekend barbecue. Perfect for watching housewives. It's literally the ultimate housewives watching wine. So go stock up at nofilterwine.com. Give me a follow at Just Plain Zach if you give a shit about me. Or follow the show at No Filter with Zach if you just give a shit about all the reality. Say you want all that juicy reality tea, follow us at No Filter with Zach, or you can join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. All right, guys, I love you. I mean it. And I will talk to you this Wednesday. Bye.